Well, hello and good morning, everybody. Welcome to Monday. How was everybody's weekend? And thank you for joining me in Hangouts and Headlines. Oh my goodness, look at this. What a Monday start. Already had the recording going behind the scenes. So already technical snafus, probably the only one this episode, right? That's how these things usually go. How was everybody else's Monday, despite me keeping the other video on and you getting a little double dose of me in the morning? Hope everybody is doing well. I'm excited about today. I'm excited about these articles we have to share. Uh, I know Fridays are casual Fridays, but even within the ambit of casual type news, like what happened at San Diego Comic-Con, we can still get interesting stuff out of it. And since I'm interested in those things and there were business questions and of course questions about Amber Heard and Aquaman, I figured we'd all get a kick out of going through some of that together. Uh, today. But before we do, we like to start with Hangouts. How is everybody? Unindicted co-counsel says today is very Monday. Now, I have to admit, since it is so very early here for all of us in the Eastern time zone of the United States, I haven't gotten to experience this Monday yet. So if you're telling me in advance it's already very Monday, I'll have to look out for that. Uh, but yes, Mondays, not as fun as Fridays, but maybe we can make them a little bit more fun. Uh, in this particular neck of the woods here in virtual legality. Uh, what else we got? Oh, we got a lot of people telling me where they're calling in from. Jet Black, good morning. Reporting in from Atlanta, Georgia. Mega Hera, good morning from Texas. Valerie Meeks is finally here for the beginning of the stream. Welcome, Valerie. We like to have fun at the beginning of our streams. We like to chill out a little bit, get everybody ready, excited for the day to come before we dive into headlines, some of which are serious, some of which are just fun uh, in this space. Thank you for making it to the front of one of these episodes. Sometimes I question whether I can do that. So it's good to have you here. Apple pie, it's my birthday and I'll cry if I want to, only I won't because there's hangouts and headlines. H&H, hearts and emojis and everything. Apple pie, happy birthday. Everybody here already, wish Apple pie happy birthday. This is fantastic. Uh, I won't ask how old you are. I know that's, a, that's an internet faux pas, uh, but congratulations on surviving another cycle around the sun. Uh, and I hope you have a fantastic birthday, and I am honored that you're spending some of the earliest hours of it with me. Thank you so much. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, what else? Annalie Finch. Yesterday morning, I was exposed to a friend who tested positive for that virus that we don't say in the first couple minutes of a broadcast, but we get it. We know. Uh, and now you're in quarantine for the next five days. I'm so sorry about that. Lame. Well, I hope you don't get it, and I hope you feel good throughout the process. Say you're feeling good so far. Thank you for hanging out with me this morning uh, a little bit in quarantine. So maybe we can be the official quarantine broadcast uh, for folks that get stuck in that situation. I don't know if we want that designation. Hmm. We'll see. In any event, I hope you feel better and I hope you don't get it. Uh, let's see. My wife is in chat, Mrs. Hoglaw. If you see her in chat, she's she's really my wife. She's not a faker. Um, you can say hi to her. She is uh, always here in the morning. Very exciting uh, and having a lot of fun. WI, West Palm Beach, Florida. Greetings, salutations, and whatnot from the Knoxville Buckeye. Brandy Duncan, good morning from Western Kentucky. My phone lights up. Let's make sure that that's on silent. <laughs> uh, I tell you. Deborah Kay, good morning from West Jordan, Utah. Sardinisms, good morning. Yesterday was my birthday. Multiple birthdays. And Monday, today feels so much better with that and some hangouts and headlines. Well, happy birthday to you, Sardinisms. Wish Sardinisms a happy birthday as well. It's birthday time here in late July at Hangouts and Headlines. 
Uh, and I'm here for it. That's fun. That's a fun way to start a Monday. Birthdays are exciting times. Uh, Marion Whitaker, Tucson, which I believe is a location where they are located when they're sending in this message. It could, however, be some kind of CIA secret code to someone else who, if they respond in a one-word answer like, I don't know, Albuquerque, will know something's up. So look out for that. Good morning all from Arizona, says Angelica Santiago. Good morning, Angelica. Hi from Poland. And my grandmother will be so upset with me, but I'm not going to try to pronounce that name. Thank you. Welcome. Hi from Poland as well. I uh, I spent many a year in my youth uh, hearing my grandparents, I think, comment on our behavior in Polish since we couldn't understand it. Uh, but uh, yes, absolutely. Valerie Meeks, heart emoji, heart emoji. Fantastic. Love it. Aaron McHugh. G Good morning from Dallas, Texas. GM, you see, I'm, I'm in this brain space of working on Lawyers and Dragons behind the scene. I read that as Game Master, which didn't seem like a normal welcome um, for a morning. So I figured it wasn't Game Master, and yet I still kind of stopped for a second there. Good morning to you, Aaron. Happy birthdays all around here in chat. Love it. Look at Aaron with a birthday cake emoji, a celebration emoji, that one from the ceiling celebrating emoji, and, of course, the, the guy with the, I don't even know what you call those, the things that blow out. Uh, at, at New Year's Eve uh, emoji. I'm going to have to figure that out to say those emoji names properly. Um, let's see here. What else we got here? Happy birthdays all around. Oh, fantastic. Midnight Wind, Ohio, baby. Go Bucks. It's on, my friend. <laughs> hey, I'm glad that you've got a team to root for. Obviously, your team has had a vast amount of success over my team. July's a little early to get into it, uh, but I am sure as we approach that November game, uh, all of the Buckeyes <laughs> that have very nicely supported this channel and supported me, uh, they'll, they'll turn cold for at least a short period of time uh, around that game. You will see uh, Dude T just wants to offer beers and sunglasses and tacos, which it's a touch early in my day for those things, but that is awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Laura says, good morning, everyone. Good morning, Laura. This is fantastic. Love this. Just happy times. Good vibes all around to start. Uh, Don Baca says, I'd prefer to have birthdays every thousand days. I think you could arrange that if you're born on February 29th or so, right? You don't actually technically have the birthday except once every four years. I think you still grow old, though. I don't know. I wasn't born on a leap day. Um, so I, that's, that's really up to uh, the body, I think. We got some happy birthdays for apple pie. We got some cake emojis. Emily says, good morning, hoagies, with a video game controller. Fantastic. Anon, anon, good morning. Morning from Atlanta, morning from the UK. What, what, a, what, a, what a fun time. And I'm, I think I'm, I'm three minutes behind. I'm, I'm that far behind in terms of everybody getting in there, getting some comments in, practicing, typing into the chat, having fun, communicating with each other. Hangouts doesn't just mean me hanging out with you. It means you hanging out with each other. Uh, I'm really proud of the community we've built so far the positivity, the good vibes. Uh, and that's so important every day to have that kind of interaction in your life. I'm so happy with everybody. Um, so absolutely keep that up. Jennifer, thank you so much for the super sticker. Helping support the channel. I really, really appreciate it. That is so fantastic. We've got Joe talking to my wife with a koala picture. I don't know what that means, but I do like it. Koala emoji. Fantastic. Uh, this is what happens when Mrs. Hoglaw is, is in the chat doing various things. Look at this. I, I, hi from Lake Elsinore, 
with a wave emoji. Hey, hey, Seth, I don't know where Lake Elsinore is. I feel like I should, but I don't. Brighton, Michigan. I know where Brighton, Michigan is. <laughs> I've been through Brighton a few times. Oh, no. See, I warned us. We've got people talking in code. Somebody says Tucson. Somebody says Albuquerque. I don't know what the next might be in the code. Something's going on here. Keep your eye on these folks. Tell you what. Hello from France, hearts in your eyes emoji. That's fun. Hello, France. Hello from the Detroit River. I presume on the Detroit River and not in the Detroit River, but maybe it's, it's like a passing tanker. I have no idea. Hello, Kelly. Good morning. Uh, let's see. Uh, what else we have here? I'm sure I'm skipping things, by the way. Folks are always like, well, why doesn't Ho get my chat? I'm doing my best. You guys are actually commenting a ton. Uh, and then we got just Secret Mix Squirrel just trying to confuse me. Pinata is the third one. So Tucson, Albuquerque, Pinata. Huh. All right. And that's assuming I didn't miss one. So, and what do we call that thing where you, you blow it out at New Year's Eve? Noisemaker, possibly. I don't know. I, I, noisemaker, I think of is these things, which I use to celebrate, um, like my colleagues hitting uh, hitting big marks on their subscriber base and things like that. People are just trying to get me to say Buckeye cheers. Hey, look, I'm I'm very nice to you guys, and you guys are very nice to me. We can keep that up. I'm not gonna start a Buckeye cheer. Just in terms of where the borderline is, we're looking for it. We're always wondering. It's there, like actually cheering for the Buckeyes. <laughs> Maybe we'll do something closer to the game where we'll we'll have a we'll have a a, a, a gentleman's wager uh, and uh, I'll, I'll say something nice about the Buckeyes if they win. Um, let's see here. Sardinism says there's an open D and D night at my boyfriend's job, and I pointed the DM to your stream. He doesn't have much time to watch, so I was like, technically, this stream stands alone. LOL. Hey, yeah, that that's actually pretty funny. Lawyers and Dragons is one of those streams that people are continuing to check in on. I love my channel. I love what I do here. But a lot of the times it's really focused on news. Now, if you've been here with us for a long time, you know that the news is mostly a jumping off point for things that uh, last a little longer, but not everybody does know that. And so there's a pretty steep kind of drop off in video watches after that news item kind of passes. Uh, Lawyers and Dragons, the first adventure, is just, just trooping along, collecting views. Um, and that's very, very cool. And if you weren't on Twitter, if you didn't hear me say it on Friday, we are working behind the scenes to start not just another Lawyers and Dragons, but a Lawyers and Dragons campaign. Um, so we're, we're working on that. We're going to get that up and running as soon as we can. Everybody that's supported that, everybody that's checked it out, everybody that has fun with us being goofy here in this space, thank you so much. Uh, and uh, we'll have more announcements on that in the future, uh, but it's uh, it's really exciting. Uh, Strive says tacos are for Tuesdays. Tacos are for every day. Co-counsel will back this up. Tacos are for every day, nachos as well. Really everything with a kind of tortilla, meat, cheese arrangement uh, is, is, is for every day. Fantastic stuff. Kelly says, I love this community. I love it too, Kelly. I'm having a lot of fun with all of you. It's fantastic. We still have people trying to get me to say Ohio State things. I love it, PE. I love it. I love that you love your, uh, your school and your team. Uh, my wife asks, Lake Elsinore is California, right? I don't know if she gets an actual answer there. We'll, we'll have to see. Gotta love Hoax, wholesome and supportive chat. What's not to be supportive about? We're all here together, spinning on this globe, spinning around the sun. And with our new telescope, seeing exactly how small we are in the universe and everywhere else. So, hey, let's be supportive. Let's be positive. Let's have fun. It's a Monday morning. Mondays, I mean, let's be honest, Mondays suck, right? Gotta get up from a hopefully fantastic weekend, get back to work doing these various things. 
but we can do it positively together. So I'm not trying to be like a, a life coach here, uh, but we can do that together and I can have a lot of fun hanging out with you all, talking and having these conversations. Um, Stephanie, I'm late. Purple heart emoji. Lots of work after a week off. Good afternoon from Austria, everyone. Hello, Austria. Fantastic. Hello from Brooklyn. Uh, good early morning from Simi Valley. Lake Elsinore is California, too. All right. Lake Elsinore is California. Honestly, it sounded like a fantasy setting. Couldn't you see a Lake Elsinore in... Wait, what's on the bingo card? I'm, uh, Final Fantasy? I think I'm supposed to say Final Fantasy. Uh, if uh, if uh, co-counsel has set up the bingo card correctly here. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's cool. It's cool. Okay, my wife says that that is technically a party horn, which I have never heard anybody on Earth call it. So we're not going to call it a party horn. We need a good virtual reality name for the emoji where the little head is blowing out one of those things that goes out on, on New Year's Eve. So we're going to have to come up with a new name for that because we're not going to call it party horn. That's ridiculous. Um, so I appreciate it, honey. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to have to figure that out. Party blower is technically better, I guess. I don't know. We'll get there. Anon Anon says, oh, Michigan fan here. Fantastic. Jeff Moiser, getting to the heart of things right at the top of the Hangouts. <laughs> Actually, I love it. Video game question. <clears throat> Thoughts on Stray? Heard it's sadly a short story. Yeah, I don't think it's a very long game. Um, but my thoughts on Stray are, uh, one, if you're already getting it through PlayStation Plus, you should absolutely try it out. It's a very smooth playing game. It is uh, very much evocative of, of how a cat looks, uh, if that does a lot for you. For those that don't know, this is a game in which you play as a cat uh, and is very focused on you uh, jumping on tall things uh, and knocking things off of ledges uh, and solving environmental puzzles while you do in a dystopian future environment where you are aiding or otherwise being chased by robots. Didn't expect that part, did you? So it's, uh, it's pretty good. Uh, my daughters love it. I would have to say that it does what it says on the tin, right? You're a cat. It's pretty cool that you're a cat, but you're mostly jumping around and knocking things off ledges. Uh, it never gets very difficult, uh, but it is an interesting environment to traverse. And it is pretty short, which you kind of expect from the Annapurna published games, the indie games. Folks only have that much time to put in that much polish. So it's a very polished indie game, <clears throat> but those polished games tend to be short indie games. So yeah, it's a little bit short. I'm not sure it's worth, I think it's $30 retail, um, but I'm sure it'll go on sale. It's very popular. It's going to make the, the developers and Annapurna a lot of money. Good for them. They put something out into the world that didn't exist before. I always appreciate that. Uh, and I don't mind my time I spent with it, but it does seem to be a, a relatively small stayed affair. But if you want to see really good cat, cat animations, you should definitely check it out. Lemon Fresh just says brains or brains. Uh, so yeah, Lawyers and Dragons coming back. We'll see if Brains comes back. Who knows? Can't make any promises. Uh, Pants, Lawyers and Dragons should have a guest slot in the party so one of us can join each week. Um, we got plans. We got plans for you, chat. And we got plans for guests. And we got plans upon plans upon plans. But since this is our first outing doing anything like this in this space, we're going to get our ducks in a row a little bit. We're working on it. Trust me, it'll be sooner than you think, I think, unless you think it's tomorrow. It won't be tomorrow. <laughs> uh, but we'll have Lawyers and Dragons before too long. Don't worry about it. Absolutely. Uh, Lawyers and Dragons is epic. Dragon emoji. Is there an emoji for lawyers? I think 
the most often I see, I think there's a there's a scales of justice emoji, right? Like there's the like the Libra um, sign emoji. I think that's what I usually see used for lawyers. Um, Prototopics says a campaign. No way. If you don't know, Prototopics is David. If you've seen Lawyers and Dragons, Prototopics is not just joking about there being a campaign. He's the engine behind the campaign. He's the one that's going to be helping making all of this uh, to fruition. So, you know, Prototopics, if you see him in stream, he's the guy. He's, he's the one that's going to be helping us do all of this. Uh, I could not possibly do remotely anywhere near uh, as much uh, as, as David. And, and we're, we're talking behind the scenes. Uh, I recreate life. I went to OSU and even I don't cheer for the Bucks. Cheers to you. But in all seriousness, if you love the Buckeyes, fantastic for you. You've gotten enough times to celebrate over me. Um, I'm going to celebrate. Co-counsel says, yes, tacos all the time. These are the days where tacos are eligible. And then she leaves She leaves a full eight tacos. You say there's seven days a week? Doesn't matter. Still can fit eight days of tacos in those seven days. Um, let's see. What else here? Then we'll start talking about comic book movies. I know everybody's here for comic book movies. <laughs> Uh, pretty fun. Kiwi Girl 75, good morning from New Zealand. Purple Heart and a Unicorn. Thank you, Kiwi Girl 75. Awesome. Sometimes I think New Zealand is a fantasy land, but that's primarily because of Peter Jackson. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if there were unicorns down there. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, we are, oh, look, we already have bots. Subscriber mode only is on. Bots are subscribing to the channel. Now, I don't think they're terribly useful subscribers. Uh, but, you know, welcome to have you here, uh, bots. We're going to try to get rid of you. <laughs> yeah, the bots came early today. They were just in for the hangout, right? They just, the bots just said, hey, this looks like fun. This looks like a good, positive atmosphere. We've got a lot of hearts in your eyes emojis. We've got a dragon head emoji and a full dragon body emoji um, from Valerie Meeks. So the bots wanted in. Uh, did I hear about shenanigans, says the Tales DM? Oh, I think there will be shenanigans. There might be antics. There might even be hijinks. It really just depends. So, you know, we can get excited about that. Um, what else we got? Ms. Hoglaw says there is a, there's a little scales of justice. I, I thought I saw a more cartoony one. If there isn't, uh, we are working also behind the scenes on custom emojis, which I know I owe the members. We do have a membership button, uh, in, uh, YouTube. I have never actually gotten customized emojis before so we are working on that um but uh yeah i want to make sure they're cool uh, but definitely if we don't have a good one for that we should we should get one oh here they are valerie meek says uh look there's a there's a judge uh and then there's uh, like a lawyer head i guess and then there's the scales of justice and then a person in a suit which i guess is a lawyer it's not it's not me <laughs> And we have, yeah, we have the various uh, people, the judges and gavels and look at all these emojis. Fun stuff. Um, Juju says, Hoga, I've never even ever played a video game. Ever? Anything. Tetris? The solitaire that comes with Windows or the Minesweeper. Anything at all? But I really enjoy your lives. Thank you. And Mrs. Hoglaw. Oh, well, thank you for joining us on these mornings and having fun. Yeah, I love talking with you all. Uh, even when we're just chatting uh, and having fun before we start anything, right? And yeah, ab absolutely. Everybody, if I see a question, uh, just mark it with a question or an at Hoglaw. I can see those a little bit better, but the program that we use to actually broadcast doesn't highlight the at Hoglaw, so I have to look at two different places. It, it's You know what? It's not your concern, <laughs> but if you do flag it for me, I'm, I'm always happy to have conversations and ask questions. 
Does anyone still play Minesweeper? This was designed by my wife to make me feel old. On a Monday morning, people, can you believe this? I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to have to reflect on things. Uh, play Pac-Man. Play Pac-Man. Emoji Fest. Thanks, guys. I'm Emoji Enlightened. Uh, Windows doesn't come with Minesweeper anymore. You see, this is the problem with software as a service, right? They just go and they make you subscribe to these things for recurring revenue. What do they take? They take Minesweeper. Probably took that little pinball game that they used to give us too. <sighs> Whatever, man. And I only really know that pinball game because I used to play it in law school classes uh, if I already knew the material. Um, so yeah, absolutely. All right. Minesweeper has a pro circuit. Of course it does. If you can make Monopoly a professional pastime, there you can make Minesweeper uh, a, a professional pastime. Absolutely. Uh, what else we got here? We got what? No Minesweeper. People are reacting. Uh, Secret McSquirrel says, I still want to play Among Us. Yep. You know, we've got those kinds of things uh, in the, on the back burner as well. Turns out I can only develop like five shows at a time. <laughs> so we went from just virtual legalities to virtual legality hangouts and headlines to virtual legality hangouts and headlines and lawyers and dragons. And there's still more happening. Uh, but I can only do so much and move so fast forward and also run a law firm and, you know, feed the family and do those kinds of things. Uh, so I very much appreciate it. We got a lot of stuff coming out. Absolutely. Uh, Jenny, uh, Jenna Barry Bean says, I was in high school when Pac-Man first came out. Arcade grandma emoji, facepalm emoji. No, no, no. Pac-Man's a classic. You are not too old. That is awesome. I won a Pac-Man tournament back in the day. I get to say that because you mentioned Pac-Man. Uh, so yes, I, uh, I was playing video games a long, long time. Uh, let's see what else. All right. Let's, let's talk about some of these headlines. We've, we've, we've chatted a little bit, got a little 20 minute opener here. I love it. It's fantastic. Kiwi girl 75 is going to take us directly into headlines with the super chat. Definitely unicorns here in New Zealand, but also hobbits here in middle earth scales of justice emoji, briefcase emoji, brown haired lawyer emoji, scales of justice emoji. Kind of, it's kind of like me. My briefcase tended to be a backpack or a laptop case, um, depending. Um, a lot of backpacks in an arbor, even for the professional circuit. Uh, but absolutely. If you got unicorns, I don't think I'll be able to prevent my daughters from visiting New Zealand. Uh, so, yeah. KitKat says, oh, Pac-Man. I'd forgotten about that. Pac-Man's the best. They have all sorts of riffs on Pac-Man because uh, Bandai Namco just keeps selling you Pac-Man. Uh, but Pac-Man Championship Edition is awesome. It's not just like fancy Pac-Man. It's completely different Pac-Man. Check that one out. Um, yeah. All right. Okay. Let's talk about articles. So as you can see here, some some of our some of our relatively frequent guests here in virtual legality, Hangouts and Headlines edition, with a 2023 slate hobbled by controversial stars, Warner Brothers and DC stick to 2022 titles in muted Comic-Con appearance. So there's a lot to unpack there if you don't recognize like anything uh, from that particular description. But so DC is DC Comics. That's your Superman, your Batman, most predominantly for purposes of this article, your Aquaman and your Flash. So if you know the Justice League uh, or if you watched the most recent Justice League movie, I'm very sorry, although the director's cut is a bit better. Uh, but that's that side of the coin. It is not Spider-Man and Iron Man. 
and everything that we call the Marvel Cinematic Universe or the MCU, the successful one. If it was successful, it probably wasn't DC and Warner Brothers. I'm sorry, that's just the truth. I like DC Comics as well. I love Batman. It's all good. But they aren't as successful as the Marvel movies right now. So when you're thinking about this, that's who we're talking about. Then in terms of Comic-Con, this is the San Diego Comic Convention, which way back in the day was focused on comics. For a long, long time, however, has been focused on launching comic book and nerd-related movies and video games and things of that nature. Uh, it's become a very big deal. It's a launching point for uh, these studios to put forth media on things like Aquaman movie or the Flash movie, or you may have seen on Friday the release of a trailer for Hasbro's new Dungeons and Dragons movie starring Chris Pine, who you might also remember if you watched Amber Heard and Johnny Depp, because the person that was the expert trying to establish that Amber Heard had lost $100 million was trying to say that her career was similar to Chris Pine's, and which we saw uh, incredulously cross-examined by saying, are you suggesting that she has the same profile as Captain Kirk? <laughs> and you get that kind of commentary in that trial. It's why it was such a wild eight weeks for us all. But suffice it to say, generally speaking, Warner Brothers, DC Comics, everybody else goes forward into San Diego Comic-Con and blows out with big announcements, huge trailers, wacky hijinks, actual appearances, by the celebrities that are going to be in these movies. And generally, even though Warner Brothers is going to deny it, you start pumping not just this year's slate, because we only have till July, from July to December, but next year's slate as well. It's, that's kind of normal. And we'll see at the end of this kind of sequence of headlines that Marvel goes way beyond that because that's what Marvel does. And Marvel is losing momentum right now. Again, I like Marvel movies, but it's true. Comic book fans, if you want to come in, and, and talk to me about those things. That is more than welcome. But Marvel's not at the strongest point uh, in its history in movie making. Certainly that was towards the end of the Infinity War Endgame type stuff. So Warner Brothers comes in and says, well, we've got a bit of an issue because we've got some actors in our movies that maybe aren't getting the best press, right? If you saw the the title to this particular Hangouts and Headline session. I said, hey, dealing with bad press. And Warner Brothers is going to be dealing with that a lot. For most of the 2010s, Warner Brothers cast a massive shadow at San Diego Comic-Con, says Variety here. Between its substantial presence on the showroom floor and pull out all the stops presentation in Hall H, that's the biggest conference room. That's where you see all the biggest stuff coming from this if you're on Twitter or social media or otherwise just following it from afar. That's where the biggest announcements happen. They could have their presentations stretch well beyond two hours. The studio was second to none, not even its main rival Marvel Studios, in its ability to leverage the largest fan convention in North America to its advantage. Warner Brothers specifically aimed a lot of their marketing at San Diego Comic-Con even more than Marvel did, which did independent events and things like that. This year, the studio took a decidedly different approach. It skipped the show floor completely, so nothing in the actual convention center, including a presence for DC Comics. And while it did use its hour-long panel in Hall H to showcase two of its 2022 releases, Black Adam, that's The Rock, and Shazam, Fury of the Gods, uh, that's Zachary Levi, who I know as Chuck from the old TV show, uh, but you may know him from some other role. The studio's biggest DC movies for 2023, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, ding, 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 
and The Flash were completely missing in action. There was no mention of other DC titles like Batgirl, expected to debut this year, and Blue Beetle, the first Latino super, superhero film, which I think my daughter's looking forward to because it's set to star one of the stars of Cobra Kai, which she loves, nor updates on the future of Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman and Robert Pattinson's The Batman. Meanwhile, persistent internet rumors of an appearance by Man of Steel star Henry Cavill proved to be as unfounded as they seemed. The Witcher was nowhere to be found. Instead, Shazam 2 star Zachary Levi bantered with his co-stars, and it was up to Dwayne Johnson in costume as Black Adam to bring the drama, emerging on a raised platform surrounded in smoke and sending a bolt of lightning into the audience, activating blue lights in lanyards handed out to the Hall H audience. Yeah, that's, that's the kind of thing that they do at this particular uh, conference is that kind of spectacle. So if you can imagine The Rock coming up in smoke and then shooting a special effects lightning bolt that makes your lanyard light up, well, you've probably got a good image of what San Diego Comic-Con is. The crowd lapped it up, but, says Variety, apparently reading minds, but reading the room, I guess, there was a palpable sense that they were eager for more. An audience member asked Levi if Shazam would fight Superman, which Levi played dumb about. And Johnson was asked how Black Adam would fare against the Man of Steel. Johnson's eyebrow-raising reply, it probably all depends on who's playing Superman, which is in a bit of flux over at the DC Universe. So they're talking about the normal things at San Diego, but they're not talking about some of the elephants in the room. This is also the first Comic-Con for Warner Brothers under its new ownership at Warner Brothers Discovery and CEO David Zaslav has made clear he's taking a harder look at spending across the company, including for events like Comic-Con, where studios have to shell out for talent, housing, transportation, and staffing. Studio insiders say Aquaman 2 and The Flash are too far away on the schedule to warrant a big splash at Comic-Con or to have enough materials to support one. Variety says, okay, that's an answer to a question we just asked, uh, but we're not buying it. In previous years, though, Warner Brothers has used Hall H as a launching pad for films well beyond the calendar year. The 2014 panel for the studio included the first ever look at 2015's Mad Max Fury Road. Zack Snyder first announced 2016's Batman vs. Superman, a really big tentpole movie that unfortunately proved to not quite hold up the tent at DC. At Comic-Con in 2013, the panel for the film was held in 2015. So for a 2016 release, Warner Brothers had an announcement three years before and a full panel a year before, before another reference panel the year that it comes out. Both Aquaman 2 and The Flash completed shooting months ago. We know this, right? We got a lot of testimony about how Aquaman 2's script changed, when shooting finished, what they could possibly show, which could have given their respective directors, James Wan and Andy Muschietti, time to put together at least some footage to whip up the buzz commensurate with the character's stature among the Comic-Con faithful. So why didn't they? Variety posits, well, we actually know the answer to this question. Aquaman 2, however, co-stars Amber Heard, who just spent months at the center of one of the ugliest public court battles in Hollywood history. I suppose you're never wrong if you use the locution one of, right? Because one of is always going to be correct as long as you make the list long enough. I don't know. Was it one of the ugliest public court battles in Hollywood history? It didn't involve murder. It didn't involve uh, actual bodily harm, as it turned out, although I, it did in terms of what was alleged. Um, so I don't know. What do you think about that, chat? Do you think that this was one of the ugliest public court battles in Hollywood history? Hollywood does not have the cleanest history 
in terms of court battles and whatnot. So that we'll, we'll, we'll leave that up. Certainly, there's a recency bias there. Whenever you got reporting and you're going to talk about something that just happened, it's always one of the biggest deals of all time. I do think it was a very cultural moment uh, that we saw happen with respect to the internet, especially, I don't know, Hollywood has a, has a history. Uh, during which Heard's status in the film was a major point of contention. A jury found in June that Heard and Depp each defamed each other, but Depp was awarded millions more in damages against Heard, who was also relentlessly ridiculed and excoriated by Depp's fans on social media. <clears throat> Let's take a step back here. This is the only summary we're going to get of this particular conclusion to the, the trial. I, I, want, I want you all to look at that on your screen. Read that again. This is Variety's summary of what happened. <clears throat> so if you if you didn't follow this at all, you're reading Variety, and basically this sentence is designed to make you think that Amber Heard was cheated in some way. So a jury found, you start out with, it isn't the case, it isn't the facts, which you can now say because a court of law found it. Uh, it's a jury found. Some random people, randos, if you're on Amber Heard's team, said some things, and apparently this is what they decided. And it's that they defamed each other, which while technically true and is often the best kind of true, is also completely outside the spirit of what happens, right? Because Johnny Depp sues her for defaming him on the grounds that she said that he was a domestic abuser. He wins that. He also wins <clears throat> on the ability to say that she committed a hoax against him, that there was fraud, that there was falsity in what she was claiming against him. And he loses, A, not on what he said, it's on what his attorney said, but he loses on the specifics of what that hoax actually was. Yes, they were both found to defame each other. But the reason you get into this next part, which Depp is awarded millions more in damages against her, it isn't because of uh, societal leverage or the patriarchy or anything else like that. It's because the actual lies that we're talking about here, which were heinous as presented in court by Team Heard, are heinous when looked at in terms of damages. Right. He was actually awarded 15 million dollars, but Virginia prevents you from getting five million in punitive damages. Uh, and and what came across on the other side was you didn't get the details right, even though she did lie about you. I think that puts things in a different stead. And we've talked about it before. But when you go out with summaries like this and then if that's not enough for your summary, you then go and talk about people being excoriated and in specific Amber Heard being excoriated on the Internet when the Internet is the Internet. Uh, and definitely doesn't change what happened in that court of law. Now, they do say she filed a notice of appeal on, on July 21st. Do you want to talk about that just a little bit? We have seen that. I've mentioned in prior videos that there's nothing for me to talk about here. I've seen other people make videos. Actually, haven't popped in. I don't know what they're saying about these kinds of things. Uh, but suffice it to say, Amber Heard files notice of appeal of her defamation verdict. And then shortly thereafter, we see Johnny Depp quickly counters Amber Heard's appeal on verdict with one of his own. That's a deadline headline. Um, and that all makes sense, right? I think Johnny Depp's team would have accepted the $2 million on their side of the defamation if there were no appeal, if people had just gone through and allowed it to stand. But once you're already going to the Court of Appeals in Virginia, there's no reason to not dispute what's been found against you. And in terms of both of these sides having headlines without actual substance in their stories, I don't really blame them. This is what they're working with. Plaintiff and counterclaim defendant John C. Depp by counsel hereby appeals to the Court of Appeals of Virginia from all adverse rulings and from the final judgment order of this circuit court entered on June 24th, 2022. 
That, that's literally all anybody has to react to. These are just notices that you tell the court system, we're appealing this and we'll tell you about why later. Um, so when Team Amber Heard submits a brief, when Team Johnny Depp submits a brief, we'll probably go over it in this space. I don't know what form that'll take, whether a virtual legality, VOD, or a Hangouts and Headlines. I have no idea. Uh, but when those briefs come out, we'll have a more specific answer for what it is that they plan to argue. We saw it a little bit with the motions to dismiss and things like that, uh, but there will be more uh, in the appeals court briefs, and, and we'll go over those. But we're, for right now, this is all anybody's got, is these kind of quick headlines. They're both appealing. Get excited. We're going to the Virginia Court of Appeals. Um, but that's the summary of the situation in Aquaman 2. And then things arguably get worse for Warner Brothers. And the Flash star, Ezra Miller, is facing multiple allegations of abusive behavior, including choking a woman in Iceland and harassing another woman in her home in Berlin, as well as two arrests in Hawaii this year, once in March for disorderly conduct and harassment, and another a month later for second-degree assault. That's not great. And interestingly enough, if you're coming to things from the perspective of Warner Brothers and Johnny Depp, who, of course, gets asked to leave uh, the Fantastic Beasts franchise uh, as Grindelwald, is that Ezra Miller plays a prominent role in that franchise and did in the most recent movie. So Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers has difficulties here right now. Uh, and so when they tell Variety, oh, no, Aquaman's a whole year away, we wouldn't use the Hall H scene to actually put up clips of Aquaman, they're, they're not being uh, entirely uh, truthful in outward appearance, right? And then you've got The Flash. You've got Ezra Miller. He's already in your Hogwarts series. That's a problem. You're not on the show floor with either Fantastic Beasts or your DC Comics or anything else. You're going through a transition where people are buying your assets. They're moving things around. And you just don't want to deal with any of this stuff, right? Now, Variety says the circumstances of Heard and Miller situations are quite different. However, in both cases, Warner Brothers is facing down an impossible dilemma. Impossible? No, it's difficult. This is, this is difficult. There are impossible dilemmas out there in the world. Actually figuring out how to market your comic book movies, not one of them. But we'll give it to Variety. This is what they cover. Even in the Me Too era, how to promote their escapist superhero franchises when their stars are embroiled in toxic scandals that overwhelm all other conversation about them. Well, they do. I don't find it impossible. I find it difficult. But that is, in fact, the situation that Warner Brothers has found itself in. It did know this was happening with Ezra Miller, I think, even prior to The Flash beginning filming. But maybe I'm wrong on that timeline. Either way, they find themselves in that position now because The Flash is a more difficult thing to solve for them. In the case of Aquaman 2, Walter Hamada, who runs the studio's DC unit, testified in a video deposition in the Herd Depp trial that the studio did consider recasting Herd in the role of Mira opposite star Jason Momoa because the actors didn't have a lot of chemistry together. Y'all remember that testimony? That was uh, that was big time there, saying, oh, it's not great. Editorially, they were able to make that relationship work in the first movie, but there was a concern that it took a lot of effort to get there. Hamada said, it's not exactly a rousing endorsement for a movie. What's funny about that, if I'm remembering the trial, is that you had Team Heard then go and say that there's no evidence of a lack of chemistry. And while these things couldn't be brought up because there were hearsay, uh, all I did while I'm watching this trial on the Legal Bites stream with the, the rest of the panelists is I start looking up 
uh, Momoa heard chemistry for Aquaman reviews, and there are a ton of them that talk about, hey, this is a quality movie. It's a quest movie. It's fun. There's laser sharks. Uh, but uh, Momoa and Heard have the chemistry of, of two pieces of cardboard um, or that Heard can't interact with Momoa's natural charisma uh, and all these various complaints about how they're acting together. Uh, and it, it's just amusing to me because it was clearly one of the problems with Aquaman. And it would have been one of the problems that Warner Brothers would seek to solve, probably with a reduced role for the person that's not Aquaman without all of this, right? So that's what it was interesting to me about when we're watching this trial is, hey, yeah, you didn't go on this careening career path because of this. Yes, maybe. But also because if you're in your biggest kind of showpiece and the biggest commentary is that you can't match charisma with one of the more charismatic actors working in Hollywood today, that's also going to slow you down. Mira, however, points out Variety isn't the central character for Aquaman. This is something that was also pointed out in the courtroom. And promotion for the film could downplay Heard's presence. That is impossible for The Flash, which is built around Miller's performance as multiple versions of their speedster character, Barry Allen. Though the, though the studio could replace Miller for any future Flash movies, calls to reshoot Muschietti's film with a new actor are financially untenable. The Flash was referenced during the panel in the Shazam 2 trailer, but not by name. Though the character appeared on screen, Miller's face did not. By contrast, Aquaman and Batman get a full name check in that trailer with Momoa and Ben Affleck's faces both appearing on screen. At some point, Warner Brothers will need to engage the DC fan base about these films and the actors within them. But rather than try to navigate those choppy waters in front of some 6,000 plus super fans at Comic-Con, Warner Brothers elected to avoid them altogether for now. And of course, this article, which I skipped some sections of, will be linked uh, in the description or is linked right now in the description uh, to this video. Uh, but yeah, Warner Brothers scrambling, right? What do you do with this? If you were the head of Warner Brothers Studios or the head of the DC Comics unit, you had the Flash in the can and you had Amber Heard as Mira in the can for Aquaman 2. What would you do? Um, so we'll chat a little bit about that. Then we've got another side of the coin because we've got some Marvel articles uh, that are maybe not as positive as Marvel likes to have its press, but cover some of the same uh, geography that we've seen them have to cover before. But honestly, chat, how would you handle this? Rick Cormier with this super chat says, let me see if I can list a few Hollywood cases that might be more ugly. Roman Polanski, of course. Manson family, yep. Natalie Wood, mm-hmm. Yeah, Hollywood has a sordid history in terms of court cases and whatnot. Amber Heard and Johnny Depp, ugly. But the ugliest? No. One of the ugliest? How long is your list? Let's see what everybody else has to say. Uh, someone is gifting subs, which does not pop up on my, uh, uh, window here, but lucky gifted five Hoglaw memberships. Thank you, lucky. That is very generous of you. Very appreciated. If you got a gifted sub, fantastic. Welcome to the membership, uh, here. We're having a lot of fun. Uh, we're working on getting some emojis up and running. We're doing some other things. I think you'll see a firm update that the members get, um, on this channel or on the Utreon or on the Patreon. We got a couple places where you can support us. Uh, you'll see that firm update uh, early this week, maybe even today, um, that we do once a month. Um, so fantastic. Let's see here. Uh, Hogue, do you agree with me that Elon Musk will pay out all the money to Johnny? I don't know why Elon Musk throws away money like he does on anything. So I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility, but I don't see why he would here. So I'm going to go with no. 
Uh, Kelly C says, you knew Amber would be a problem prior to filming. The petition to remove her has been massive for a while. Uh, yes, it has. And obviously the Amber Heard Johnny Depp situation occurs before Aquaman 1. Uh, and then that article goes up in 2018, 2019. The, the case starts. Aquaman 2 gets filmed after that. You're right. They, they knew what was happening with Amber Heard. But I doubt very much that they thought Amber Heard was lying or that Amber Heard would lose a case where a unanimous jury would find that she was lying. So, yeah. I mean, in that situation, if you're Warner Brothers back then and the accusations come out, uh, you look into them, you talk to Amber Heard, but what do you realistically do with your series? Because thinking about it from just a public relations standpoint, with what you know in 2018 and 2019, if you pull her from the series, that's its own problem. Um, so... Warner Brothers somewhat made their own bed, somewhat had their bed thrust upon them. So I do have at least a little sympathy, even though I think some of this is built on their own kind of bad decision making. Um, let's see here. Uh, Heather says everyone gets mad at the female superhero choices like Brie Larson, uh, Captain Marvel and Gal Gadot for Wonder Woman. But did the Chris's get heat when they were chosen for the parts? I think Chris Evans did, if I'm recalling correctly. So Chris Evans is Captain America. He had previously been the human torch in Fox's version of the Fantastic Four. I don't think people necessarily saw him as Captain America when he was cast. So I remember a little bit of pushback there. Uh, not that it's the same league, but Chris Pratt as Star-Lord, who at that point in time was a fairly chubby Andy Dwyer on Parks and Recreation. Very funny guy. Uh, but maybe didn't look the part of an MCU superhero, uh, I think goes through uh, what had to have been a ridiculous training regime uh, between Parks and Rec and filming Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, and so obviously he's a he's a very good Star-Lord. People like him in that role. Uh, but I, I think there were questions there. Um, I don't know. What else we got? We got uh, Chris Pine is Wonder Woman's boyfriend. I think that's fine. Uh, am I forgetting some Chris's? Uh, let's see. Uh, but they, I, I think for the most part, if you want to talk about people that are very invested in the property, comic book fans are those people, right? So, um, yes, I think basically everything gets heat. And I think some of that heat is safely ignored. Uh, but when you talk about real world situations like this, Warner Brothers has to actually deal with this because this won't go just to comic book fans. This will be mass market news, depending on how they treat these things. Ian Paler became a YouTube member. Welcome, Ian. Thank you so much. Happy to have you here. Uh, let's see here. Bloody Vanessa says, I would say hindsight is 2020 for Warner Brothers, but oh well. Yeah, ideally, they would not have these people in these roles at all, right? They're not adding enough to what they want to sell as their properties that it is worth it having to deal with all this. Um, but this is what they've got right now. You have to figure out how to play the hand that you have been dealt. And in this case, that you may have been dealt from another because Warner Brothers is in the midst of kind of a transition of organizational leadership. Um Laura, uh, uh, Golden Yoga says, I'm more of an MCU fan and all these DC actors only reinforce my preference. Uh, smiley face, sweating emoji. I want to see the characters, not drama from the actors. Poor choice of casting, gritted teeth emoji. Yeah, uh, I, think that's, I think that's right. You don't want to have to think about this stuff uh, when you watch a movie. It's part of the reason why there was an issue with Johnny Depp and Pirates of the Caribbean and the other properties that he was kicked off of, right? You don't want to have to think about this stuff. Uh, we know that actors aren't always good people, but um, 
yeah, this is a bit much even for that particular uh, thought process. So I, I hear you. Um, I think Marvel's been relatively clean. Nothing jumps into my mind uh, as as being a particular problem for those actors. But I could be wrong. Obviously, since they're employing like three quarters of Hollywood, some of them somewhere uh, have had issues. Uh, but yeah, I think I think it is the case that the DC situation is, is significantly worse right now. Um, Mr. Upper Torso says, what a tale. It, Aquaman, made all this money, but the sequel just destroys that feat. Aquaman, one of the most successful uh, DC movies in history. Uh, and yeah, we'll see. We'll see what Aquaman 2 does. Um, the Flash situation is a problem, but if they focus on all the other people's talents that worked on the film and show it for their work, may go over better and fire Miller from the future. Um, yeah, you could work it in. You could modify the script. You could even kill him. Um, or have an alternative universe, Barry Allen, played by a different actor, take over. I mean, the comic books, for whatever they are in terms of reality, give you a lot of outs for these kinds of things, but you do have to be willing to take them. And Warner Brothers, for the most part, is sat on its hands uh, on these particular issues. And I think that is part of the problem. Robert Pattinson for Batman at Hoaglaw. Uh, Pat is Robert Patterson different than Pattinson? Robert Pattinson is currently Batman. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that, uh, yeah, I don't know. I didn't like the Batman as much as other people did. It seems kind of uh, self-serious and a little bit, well, uh, a little bit much. Let's just say that. Uh, Hemsworth Evans, Chris Hemsworth. I don't know that people had a lot of a feeling for what Thor should be. I know when Thor first comes out and they've got like the blind, the, the blonde eyebrows on him and he's doing like the faux, English accent and, and Kenneth Branagh is involved and all those things. I don't think it worked terribly well for people. As we know now, Chris Hemsworth uh, is a very talented person uh, with a lot of co uh, comic timing talent, uh, which uh, Taika Waititi has been using to great and maybe over effect, depending on how you feel about Love and Thunder. I have not seen it yet. I cannot comment more fulsomely on that. Uncle Brat became a YouTube member. Thank you so much. KiwiGirl75 became a YouTube member. Thank you. MCU has all the Chris's. He has, has a great number of Chris's. I think DC actually does have Chris Pine uh, right now, which could have, of course, been an MCU character. Uh, let's see here. What else we got? Uh, Lucius Augustus, Ezra Miller is going on road trips with people's underage children without the parents' permission. Why did this article only focus on Amber Heard? Ezra's kidnapping children. Allegedly. Yes, there are articles about Ezra doing these various kinds of things. Um, he's he's clearly got certain issues. There was a parenthetical I skipped while reading through the article that talked about him dealing with his mental health. Uh, but yes, Ezra Miller is a problem for the studio. Absolutely. Um, let's see. King Bob says, love gal, you know, but just can't get myself to watch Wonder Woman 84 just because I've heard it's a very woke film. Someone proved this wrong for me. I, I don't. I don't think it's very political it's very stupid um so I, I think that might prevent you from doing it there's some pretty pictures in it like most comic book movies um but i don't view wonder woman as specifically political even in its 1984 iteration it just has the issue of so many movies right now of not thinking through their plots their plot beats or their plot points uh, and when you start interacting with uh, i don't want to spoil it but the supernatural uh, and that particular issue of, of not writing to close up plot holes, you can create very bad situations if you really think through the ramifications of these things. Uh, Prototopic says WB's issues are because they've taken so long to get these films made. 
yes, some of this would have been before these problems if they just got out the door with the movies. That's absolutely true. Uh, RDJ had a share of public issues, but turned it all around with Iron Man. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Robert Downey Jr. before Iron Man basically had to get super approval from the board to even be considered for Marvel. Uh, and that was touch and go the whole time. Uh, you can go back and look at uh, sitcoms or Simpsons episodes and see jokes made about Robert Downey Jr. and rehab and everything else that he was dealing with. Um, but I think that's actually what made him a very good Tony Stark. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. Before the MCU, he had his share of problems, 100%. Uncle Brat, don't forget the Roscoe Arbuckle trial. Replace Amber Heard and send the Flash to streaming. Oh, yeah. Plenty of trials. And thank you so much for the very generous super chat. Plenty of trials in Hollywood history that I would say are uglier because they had more specific allegations and those allegations uh, had veracity to them uh, and were very bad. Um, so I think those were in fact uglier, but there's no doubt that at least in our modern times, it's very ugly uh, for a long period of time in Hollywood. Uh, Prototopic says Love and Thunder is a four out of 10. As I said, I haven't seen it yet, uh, but I have heard that it is not as good as uh, Ragnarok uh, and honestly, I think phase four has been a pretty empty gift from, from the MCU. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Britt says, I'm typing and I'm cooking. Don't hurt yourself, Britt. So missed the last name for Robert Pattinson. I was just saying that people gave that casting a lot of crap because he was the Twilight Star. Oh, of course. And I don't know that it's undeserved, right? I like Robert Pattinson in Tenet. I very much don't like him as Bruce Wayne in the Batman, but a lot of that is the writing and the direction. Um, so who knows? Uh, we'll see whether there's a Batman too and, and whether he continues on with that role. I actually liked Ben Affleck as Batman, but they wasted him in the various movies they had. So yeah, I hear you. Tracy Fagan, I think if we stuck to guilty until proven guilty, they would have had less issues. Well, I mean, in that particular instance, Ezra Miller hasn't been found guilty of anything. Um, he's, he's going through process and legal things, uh, for all of this. Uh, but as a business, I think you can look at the situation and say, to the extent this reflects poorly on us, we're not going to cage you. We're not going to take your money, but we are going to look at protecting our goodwill and our brand. And this looks bad. Um, and so I, I do think that there are, there are ways that you could be a knee jerk response as a business that is inappropriate. But you don't have to wait necessarily for the legal system to do its business on a different standard than you when the court of public opinion and courting that public opinion is what you want to do as a business. So it gets real gray area in there. And I think it has to be left to the facts and circumstances of whatever situation you're looking at at any particular moment in time. Uh, let's see here. Arturo Trevino just says, good morning, Hogue. Good morning. Thank you so much. Welcome to the stream. Um, Let's see. Tiny Trifle says, when Christian Wig turned into a cat hybrid thing, I cringe. Well, no spoilers on Wonder Woman. Uh, but yeah, it's not the strongest movie. Uh, and honestly, I thought that um, Patty Jenkins taking over some of the writing duties, probably one of the biggest problems. If I were to be forced to talk about Hollywood and what I think some of its biggest problems are, is that I think directors that are otherwise gifted are given too much latitude to write their material in a way that they doesn't meet their talents. I think J.J. Abrams is a gifted director. I think he's an almost completely awful writer. I think similarly about Ryan Johnson. Um, and if those sound just like Star Wars directors to you, well, 
there you go. I think Patty Jenkins fits into that uh, bucket. And of course she has a Star Wars movie on the slate. Um, but yeah, I, I would have writers write and directors direct. I think that works better for the process. Tracy Fagan, oops, meant innocent. Oh, that's okay. We all have our typos here in this space. Absolutely. Um, and I'm trying to go back to find where you made the typo so I know what we're talking about. Uh, but I am missing it. So I apologize, Tracy. But we totally get it. Typos, mistypes, totally understandable. Uh, Elizabeth Mullins, they, EM identifies as non-binary. Oh, I'm sorry. So uh, Ezra Miller uses they. Apologies. Uh, either way, they are in a bit of, bit of trouble and they are putting Warner Brothers in a bit of trouble at, at the same time. Thank you for the correction, Elizabeth. Um, let's see here. Tiny trifle. Uh, Hogue did not catch that. Who knows what we're talking about there? Um, and I just want to make sure I catch everything before we go on to uh, Marvel. Marvel has some stuff. No, not that one. Marvel has some stuff. Uh, that they want to talk about uh, a little bit here, or maybe that they don't want you to talk about. Since we're covering Comic Book Day, I figured that we should cover DC, but also Marvel. It's only fair. Marvel, obviously, wildly more successful, like what, like not even within the same uh, ballpark, league, whatever, uh, as DC Comics in terms of bringing their characters to the cinema. But with great profits comes Hollywood math. Marvel's movie math. Comic creators claim it's bait and switch on payments. Writers and artists who create characters that power the Marvel Cinematic Universe say the company offers a labyrinthine compensation system that underpays them. And then we have this nice artist rendering here where we, we have Yelena from Black Widow being explained things. You never want to see Hollywood accountants using pie, right? Something's gone terribly wrong if they're, if they're starting to do like geometry in the math that they're going to pay you. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a lovely little drawing here from The Hollywood Reporter. In July 2021, Scarlett Johansson stunned Hollywood with a lawsuit accusing Disney of breach of contract for sending Black Widow day and date to Disney+. And if you're interested in more on that story, including going through its settlement, we definitely have that covered in virtual legality. A lot of interesting stuff on both sides of that particular argument, and all of it depends on what's literally in the contract interesting fight a move her lawyer said diminished its box office and the star's back-end compensation as that legal battle stretched into the summer two other black widow stakeholders were quietly seeking what they believed they were owed the comic book creators behind yelena belova the character played by florence Pugh, spent months in a back and forth with marvel to receive payment for her appearance in the film writer devin grayson and artist jg jones so grayson and jones believed they would take home $25,000 each for her appearance in Black Widow. So if you haven't seen Black Widow, Black Widow features uh, Black Widow and also a new character that plays her sister uh, in Yelena. Now, Yelena was invented during the creation of comic books and was written by this person, Grayson, and drawn by this person, Jones. And so you would expect, certainly if you're just on the outside looking in and you don't know anything about contracts and copyright assignments and all, that these folks might get a little something for their character making it to the big screen. Well, Marvel's been trying to handle that behind the scenes and here's how they are doing it. So they say they think they're going to get $25,000 uh, per her appearance in Black Widow thanks to paperwork they signed outlining how much they would receive for films, TV shows, video games, and action figures featuring Yelena. But when Grayson and Jones, who created Yelena in 1999, eventually received payment in November, that $25,000 dwindled to about $5,000 without explanation. Here's the, where things get weird. We're going to dive a little bit deeply 
into this contract, which I have to believe is under a non-disclosure agreement uh, that is being leaked by, it sounds like Devin Grayson. We don't know exactly how this article came to be, which is its own problem potentially, but also we don't get to see the contract language itself. So part of the fight here, when we're reading, reading these articles, is going to be based on what the contract actually says. The contract could be shady as heck, but it might otherwise say exactly what's happening here in clear and obvious language. We don't get to see that because what we've got here is this individual, the writer, Grayson, talking to The Hollywood Reporter and complaining about their number. Not that that's unwarranted, right? You get a character in a major motion picture. It's in the MCU, for God's sakes, and you get $5,000. It's all right to feel peeved about that. But from a legal perspective, what you are owed might be a different answer. Grayson has spent the past year seeking an answer in a journey that sheds light on how Marvel compensates the comic book writers and artists behind the characters fueling the most successful film franchise in history. Those who work with the company describe a labyrinthine system that leaves creators wondering how Marvel arrived at its figures. Hollywood math, folks. Should have invited Mark to this one. When she co-created Yelena, Grayson knew Marvel would own the character. Pause. Yes, indeed. That's part of this story in each and every instance, right? When you make a work made for hire, what you do is you have all this intellectual property that you put on paper that you create, and it doesn't belong to you when you're in this particular category. It belongs to your employer or your contractor. It says, as the Copyright Office says, copyright law protects a work from the time it is created in a fixed form. So when you start writing who Yelena is, when you draw her picture, it becomes fixed. It's on paper or parchment or whatever else you're using to put this stuff down. From the moment it is set in a print or electronic manuscript, a sound recording, a computer software program, or other such concrete medium, the copyright becomes the property of the author who created it. There is, however, an exception to this principle. Works made for hire. If a work is made for hire, an employer is considered the author, even if an employee actually created the work. The employer can be a firm, an organization, or an individual. And we know this. <clears throat> right? If you work somewhere and you come up with a great idea on how your business can improve somehow, and there's a copyright associated with that idea, you're getting paid a salary, you're getting paid hourly, whatever it is, you know that what you just came up with on behalf of the company is the company's. It's kind of intuitive that way. Uh, but we, like we do in law, have definitions. It's a work prepared by an employee within the scope of their employment. Makes total sense. Or if you're a contractor, it's a work spe specially ordered. Hey, go make me a Russian sister to be used in a collaborative work. We're gonna make a comic book. We're gonna relate it to another universe. All of that fits in and it is not disputed here, which is important, right? When she co-created Yelena, Grayson knew Marvel would own the character. So full stop, whatever was in your contract for that process is what you would get paid for that character. Now you made it in 1999. The MCU doesn't become a thing until 2008. You are a human being, which presumably means, unless you're a Marvel character yourself, that you can't read the future. And so you don't know exactly what the value of this thing is. But it does appear that Marvel doesn't generally pay cinematic royalties for these things in the creation contract, right? Whatever that would have been, whether it's an employment contract or a, or a contractor arrangement. We've heard about how Marvel came up with some of its old characters. I don't know how they were doing things in the late 90s, but we're not fighting over who owns this thing. We're just fighting over what you should be paid for its use. But like many creators before her, she signed a contract known as a special character agreement, one that outlines a Marvel-initiated payment system should Yelena appear in other media. The agreement signed in 2007. So this is Marvel right here buttoning up its universe of characters before the launch of Iron Man in 2008, right? So they say, hey, 
this thing might really work. We're going to need rights and we're going to need people to not be coming out of the woodwork and giving interviews to the Hollywood Reporter complaining. So let's get some paperwork. The Marvel lawyers say, let's get folks signed up to what is going to be this bonus pool kind of concept. So you don't get anything just from creating the character. It sounds like we didn't offer any royalties for this kind of stuff in that creation contract. You signed that. That's the position you were in. Presumably you were okay with it at the time or you just didn't care because Marvel's offering you a job. It gets a little bit gray area there. But 2007, we roll around to all of our creators and say, hey, sign this. And here's what The Hollywood Reporter describes it as. The agreement signed in 2007 seemed to state that Grayson would receive $25,000 for a theatrical film appearance, $2,000 for an episode of TV over 30 minutes, and $1,000 for an episode of TV 30 minutes or less. For action figures, the agreement entitled her to $5,000 for one, $10,000 for two, $25,000 for three. And for video games, there would be a maximum of a $30,000 pot to be shared among all the creators who had characters in the game. Because video games tend to be combination kind of efforts. Um, so if you're thinking about Ultimate Alliance, there's a lot of Marvel characters in there or fighting game, that kind of thing. So we have to do this pot concept. That said, even The Hollywood Reporter says, seem to stay. Now, chances are the author of this article actually got to see the, the contract at issue here and is, is relating those things. But we don't get to see it. Um, and so we don't know exactly how specific this was, how bright line it was, whether it was just misread by these people, whether Marvel is playing shady games with its contracts. As The Hollywood Reporter says, buried within the document was language that granted Marvel broad discretion to dramatically lower payments, language Grayson and others who spoke to THR say is misleading given that the $25,000 is listed prominently in the paperwork. It's very possible that it is. Uh, in fact, I might even suggest that it is more possible than not that it is, and this is framed to look a specific way. But if you do frame it to look a specific way, you do run the risk of having things like this come out. Interviews with The Hollywood Reporter and potentially a court looking at it and saying, you're a sophisticated party. They're not a sophisticated contract party. And you're trying to induce them to sign a contract that they shouldn't be because you don't actually agree as to what will happen when X, Y, or Z occurs because you're hiding the ball later on in the contract. Or it could be that the provision says exactly how Marvel operates and says, hey, we're going to pool this. We're going to reduce it for this. We're going to do these various things. And you ignore it because they bolded underline the $25,000 number. It's like the publisher clearinghouse sweepstakes. You could win a million dollars, but you won't, notes Grayson, who as a woman in a male-dominated industry did not want to make waves when she signed the agreement. Didn't, it doesn't sound like anybody wanted to make waves on these agreements. We've seen these kinds of articles and discussion points, not with this much detail, come out before. After Grayson received her $5,000 of the promised $25,000 in November. Now, this is interesting, right? This is the Hollywood Reporter actually putting a stake in the ground. Was $25,000 promised? I'd be willing to bet that Marvel isn't stupid enough to have just specifically breached the contract. That they might have $25,000 in the number in their contract and otherwise have the ability somehow to say, this is how this works and this is how you get to $5,000. But Hollywood Reporter says it's promised in this particular section. I probably wouldn't have written it this way with this particular fight, but again, I'm not looking at the contract. She, with the help of an attorney, learns some of the ways Marvel cut down that sum. For starters, Marvel splits the sum between the writer and artist, which seems sensible, but it should appear in the contract if that's what's happening. So according to Marvel's math, the most Grayson could have made from Black Widow is $12,500, half of a $25,000 pot, split with Jones, Yelena's co-creator. Yeah, if you've got co-creators and everybody needs payment, you could probably split it in a pot. Again, we're talking about very, very small numbers for the level of success of these movies, but here we are. In other words, 
She was told the $25,000 for Black Widow would be shared across all stakeholders, presumably those behind characters such as Red Guardian and Milena Vostikov. A Marvel source notes that there is no ceiling to the total money paid to creators for a project, and it might be raised depending on what is deemed fair. Given this, it is likely paid more than $25,000 in total to artists and writers with a claim on Black Widow. <clears throat> no, this doesn't follow from what was just written, and I skipped a line, so I want to go back to it. So we already have that it's split between the co-creators. Then we have a line, what's more, if a film features more than one character covered by a special character agreement. So if there's a bunch of characters and everybody that's created this character has signed this agreement from 2007, the company will share the pot of money among all creators with skin in the game. So this contract could be written to say, if a special character agreement character appears in the movie, $25,000 will be the pot. We then split it among all the people that have characters in that. Uh, and then we split it again against the people that actually have a stake in that character to get you to this $5,000 number. Then the Marvel source kind of defensively, and this is, I think, the only place we hear about this in this article, says, hey, it could be more than 25 grand. And then the Hollywood Reporter takes it on faith. Now, again, this implies to me that this reporter actually got a real number and can say this sentence because this logically doesn't follow from this. Marvel saying, hey, it could have been more doesn't mean it likely paid more. In fact, for the most part, I would assume that a company is not going to pay more than the minimum that it has to pay uh, to secure these rights. So again, this hints to me that this reporter got to see the contract, probably is getting a little bit more information on background from Marvel. Uh, but either way, we're talking about very, very small numbers for hundreds of millions of dollars in terms of profit uh, for these movies. Reached by THR, Jones did not share specifics of his payments, but he's the artist for Yelena, but confirmed that he received money similar to Grayson's. He says... Having spoken to a number of creators, Marvel's financial offerings seem a bit of a bait and switch. They throw out a large number, then little by little, they whittle down the actual payout. Another way Marvel shrinks payments, and this is actually why this article drew my attention, is by classifying some film appearances as cameos. Now remember, the MCU is a contracting masterwork. As a contract lawyer, commercial transactions lawyer, one of the things that I've been most amazed by is how they get these actors bouncing around in these movies, how they appear in so many of them. I don't even know how many Robert Downey Jr. was in. And part of the way they do that is by contracting for cameo appearances and moving around what the time is that people are actually in these movies and how they're filmed and when they're filmed in order to make their contractual commitments. This is a logistical feat, more than a creative one, that is well worth examining in business school and elsewhere. However you feel about the MCU, what they've been able to pull off from a legal perspective is amazing. Now, that has an impact, as it turns out, with these calculations because cameos are paid less. According to sources, if a character appears for less than 15% of screen time, that's considered a cameo and thus its creditors are due less money. By that standard, so Hollywood's doing back of the, back of the envelope math here, the Hollywood Reporter. Sebastian Stan's Winter Soldier, a character key to Captain America Civil War, would be considered a cameo as he appeared in 22 minutes, just under 15% of its two-hour, 28-minute runtime. Now, that may be the case. It may not be the case. The way these things are calculated might not include the credits. Generally speaking, if I were sitting on one side of a contract like this, I would say, I don't want to incentivize you to suddenly make your credits twice as long because that'll reduce my percentage and otherwise impact my contract terms. Uh, so it's possible that this calculation doesn't appear to come from Marvel is wrong. This one appears to be obviously right. Ditto for Captain America, who appeared for less than seven minutes, 30 seconds of Avengers Infinity War. But again, this gets reported on Captain America was a cameo in Infinity War. Maybe, but Marvel wouldn't have wanted to piss off Chris Evans right at the end of his contract. So maybe not. This is just Hollywood reporter doing back of the envelope math. As it turns out, when you have a contract, 
you can always deal with the real politic of the situation if there's an upset actor or it doesn't make any sense for what you're otherwise doing in that particular movie. Obviously, Sebastian Stan is a huge character in Civil War. He's arguably the main driving character uh, in Civil War. And Captain America is very important in Infinity War, even though, and this was a surprise to me, he's only in it for the seven minutes. Good job. He had a presence in that movie for seven minutes of screen time. One potential money saver for Marvel is the world of video games, which every year eclipses the box office in terms of entertainment market share. That's right, folks. More money is spent on video games than movies. According to sources, Marvel will pay creators for character appearances on console games only, not mobile games. A segment gaming observers note is on a fast rise, and one source likens to being offered VHS royalties in an era in which Blu-ray is about to be the dominant force. Okay, mobile gamers are gamers. I'm not going to gatekeep like that. But please don't compare console video games to VHS in the era of mobile games' Blu-rays. Because that is not only offensive to me, but is wildly inaccurate. That said, yeah, folks are making bank in the mobile space. And more so than in the console space. In, in a number of different ways. So I get what you're saying. Don't use that metaphor. Thank you. Some who spoke to THR say it is more beneficial for a creator to avoid signing any paperwork with Marvel. Noting special character agreements give the company wiggle room to pay essentially whatever they want and include an NDA clause that muzzles creators from speaking out. Does it? As we read the Hollywood Reporter article about these agreements? I suspect, since it's pretty obvious who's actually leaking these materials, someone might be getting a phone call after this particular article. But yes, it does have an NDA clause. You would expect it in an agreement of this type. And yet, folks are talking to the Hollywood Reporter. But yes, no legal advice here. If you aren't happy with the compensation or other things you are getting out of a contract, you can only evaluate the rights and obligations for yourself, seek counsel, and then determine whether or not it makes sense for you to sign. If you're not getting enough out of that contract for the obligations you're otherwise giving up, then don't sign it. And absolutely, go complain. One source who reps the creators behind several A-list Marvel characters notes that one client who never signed the paperwork is better off than those who did. He has a lawyer that doesn't listen to Marvel, says the source, and Marvel declined to comment as it does not speak out on individual creator agreements. Joe Casey is among the creators who did not sign an agreement. The writer co-created America Chavez, a key character in the $954 million grossing Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, and has received no payment for her use in the film. But he'd rather speak out in hopes it can help change the system Maybe $5,000 means something to some kid in his early 20s that doesn't have a career. For the record, $5,000 is always good. For a lot of us who have been in the business for decades, it comes off as an insult. Also true, right? If you got a billion-dollar movie, you contributed materially to that particular movie, and I don't know that America Chavez did. I like Multiverse of Madness, but if that person had a character, I didn't see it represented in that particular movie. Um, yes, don't sign the agreement. Speak out when the Hollywood Reporter calls you. And I probably wouldn't have signed it for $5,000 if I knew that was coming. And, and I were in the same shoes as this particular creator. That said, I don't know that I would have worked for a company like Marvel and created characters for them with the notion that I ever, ever, ever got royalties for what I worked on for them. So I might not have ever been a Marvel artist, which you wouldn't have wanted anyway if you've seen the stick figure drawings that I otherwise do. But I probably wouldn't have ever been in this position in the first place. A few months after Johansson and Disney settled the lawsuit, Yelena Belova showed up on the Disney Plus series Hawkeye, cementing the character's place as a key player in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, eating macaroni and cheese. Per the agreement Grayson signed, she should receive $2,000 for a TV episode appearance. Again, are we positive? 
When Grayson reached Marvel in July, she was informed that according to their calculations, that wasn't quite right. How would $300 an episode sound? And that's the end of this article, right? So it's effectively a kind of hit piece on Marvel math, which may be justified. But when we're evaluating articles on the outside, like we do in headlines, I can't promise you that it is because I can't see the contract and I can't take Aaron Couch's word for it because this is all clearly premised on somebody that is upset about the money they're getting. As I said earlier, I don't blame them. This is a paltry amount for a character being put forth in a, a movie of this type, but it does appear to seem to me that the main error is in the initial creation that you didn't otherwise negotiate for royalties at the time and or other people were willing to do the same thing that you were willing to do without royalties. So that creates a, a market problem there. Uh, and, and we can argue the, the, the goodness or evilness of that. But when we talk about contracts and law, which is what we do here, I don't have enough to go on from this article, except to note that both DC and Marvel are dealing with some bad press during a period of time when, for the most part, they want good press. The San Diego Comic-Con, and indeed, the varieties and the deadlines and the Hollywood reporters of the world, don't let any of this stuff get them down. Let's talk about every movie and every TV show coming out, from, uh, not just at the end of Phase 4. Who's excited for She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. I'm actually looking forward to that one. Or Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, Secret Invasion, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. I do respect that they've at least kept with normal naming conventions for that particular series. Echo, Loki season two, maybe with answers now. Who knows? Blade. We know nothing at all about that except Mahershima Ali is in it. Ironheart, apparently an Iron Man follow-up. Agatha, do you like witches? Daredevil, he's back. You like Charlie Cox. I like Charlie Cox. He's going to be back in the MCU. Captain America, New World Order, hopefully better than Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but written by the same people, so we'll see. Something called the Thunderbolts and Phase 6, of course, the Fantastic Four and the fairly funny named Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars. Who isn't excited for that slate of movies coming for the next three years? I'm sure actually a number of you are excited. Maybe they'll be good. Phase 4 uh, did a lot to damper my spirits. Honestly, the MCU will probably always be for me. Iron Man to Endgame maybe with an epilogue included for Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, but maybe they'll get better. Who knows? Let's always be optimistic about how things go. Maybe they'll get better. Maybe they'll pay the people that contribute to their characters. Maybe DC will not employ folks that have constant legal issues. We can always hope. We're optimists here in Hangouts and Headlines, as we said at the start of the Hangouts. So we will see. And that's been the headlines portion of our hangouts and headlines today. How is everybody feeling about all these things? Yeah, I had to scroll real fast through uh, phases four, five, and six of the MCU because yeah, I just I just don't know. I'm not feeling it, people, but I can be convinced. Um, you never know. You never know when a really good game is going to come up. Um, Sardinism say, I play mobile games, and to be honest, these creators should be getting paid big bucks for the gotcha game appearances. Yeah, I... All I can say is that if their contracts didn't originally say that they were going to get paid and then Marvel offers them some payment, to some extent, you have absolutely no leverage. So you take what they're offering and you, you grouse about it, which is totally justified, or you don't take what they're offering and you grouse about it, which again is totally justified. But if you start from a place of having said, I made these and then you don't owe me any money for them ever again, you're not in the greatest legal position. Uh, there are some mobile games that are bigger than some console games. Genshin comes to mind. Sure. There are a ton of mobile games that are bigger than console games. Absolutely. 
but the console game market is where the fun and the art and awesomeness lives. You don't need to compare it to the lesser quality VHS to the Blu-ray. It's all I'm saying. Mobile games are different. Mobile games are gamers. Mobile games make money. I get you. I've covered Microsoft and Activision, and the king component of the Activision deal is one of the biggest drivers of the economics there. Caitlin Church says, spicy hog or, or hot pepper hog. Could be hot pepper hog. That's a fun shirt. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I say, yeah, absolutely. I, absolutely. It's deserving of discussion here. And so if we don't get to see the contract, we don't know what that contract says. And we're not going to take just random authors, uh, opinions on these things, but we are going to comment on the fact that they are being covered, which is interesting in and of itself. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, Calista says, I'm impressed that they're hitting secret wars already. I suspect that's going to be a reset, right? So if we actually think about what they've got, then they've run out the clock on all of their main characters that they own the rights to. And if comic books are any indication, that's when you run a reset. So three years from now, you know, new Iron Man, new Captain America, what have you. Um, and we'll see. They're trying to transition kind of more organically than the usual comic book. Just like, hey, everybody's new. Uh, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what they do. Uh, Spider-Man is Sony, not technically part of the MCU. No, uh, that sentence is Spider-Man is Sony, but technically part of the MCU. That's how their agreement works together. That's why you get all those crossovers. <laughs> so he's not run by Marvel, although Marvel is in charge of creative, uh, for the Sony movies. Um, but he is part of the MCU yet. Sony pays for the movies and collects the profits therefrom. So no Avengers film for phase four. No, She-Hulk was announced as the finale to phase four. Uh, Aaron Rose says the Thunderbolts are a super team put together by General Ross. Probably not anymore since the actor that portrays him has unfortunately passed. A recurring Hulk character and occasional Red Hulk. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so at least two of these new MCU properties star lawyers. I mean, obviously, the best kind of superhero is the lawyer superhero. I, I think we can all agree on that. Uh, but yeah, Charlie Cox, Daredevil, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Um Strive says Riri Williams is a horrible Iron Man follow-up. Ironheart was a super annoying character. I don't know. I don't know any of these things. We're outside of my knowledge base here. Let's cover some of these super chats before we move on. Brett Cormier, Hollywood should take inspiration from Lucille Ball for the use of pie and never, ever, ever use pie. I respect the pun game, Brett. I respect the pun game. Yeah, I think that's a funny illustration at the top of that article. Uh, but yeah. I'm trying to figure out exactly how pie could be used in financial accounting, but here we are. Nicole Don, replay crew here. Just wanted to give a thanks for H and H. It's helped me start my work from home mornings with a better attitude. Smiley face emoji, game controller emoji, green heart, multiple hearts. I think that's maybe me and co-counsel. You and Mrs. Hogue, fantastic, Nicole. Thank you so much, and thank you for the support of the channel. Britt Cormier, there are lots of people that accepted bad contracts with culturally popular companies. Having DC Marvel on your resume, especially if you worked on a popular character, gives you more credit for the next job. Yeah, I usually call that the Rockstar uh, game approach. And that's not Rockstar Games. It's not Grand Theft Auto, although they are one of them, just to make things confusing. Uh, but the, it is often the case that you, if you're signing a contract, you're negotiating a deal, you're engaging in this kind of leverage kind of play, uh, you will exchange uh, money for prestige that there are other valuable things that you get from certain of these jobs. And it's why, for instance, Blizzard Entertainment was able to pay much less than market rates for so long is because you worked at Blizzard. Uh, now, that obviously isn't the case anymore after the troubles 
of the last little while. But there are these kinds of rock star jobs and, and there are rock star jobs within rock star industries, right? So you start talking about video games, for instance, which is just what I happen to know a little bit better. And you say video games in and of itself is pulling from graduates that are willing to take less to work on something that they like over doing an accounting program upgrade, right? If you're coding already and you choose to do it for video games, you are already exchanging some of your value from what might be a higher value salary for serious software uh, and those kinds of things. Then if you're in video games and you say, I'm going to work at one of the big guns, you maybe don't even have to get as much money because, hey, I'm working at Insomniac. I'm working at Rockstar. I'm working at Naughty Dog. I'm working at wherever. And sometimes they're competitive, sometimes they're not. But you do get into these situations where you are really exchanging potential money for something else. And maybe that works out for you, maybe it doesn't. But if you're making characters for Marvel rather than BackstreetComics.net, then yes, it's possible that you agree to what they put in front of you and you call it a day. Doesn't make it fair. Doesn't mean that the grousing is unwarranted. You can absolutely go and look at these articles and reflect on them. But you are right. That when you've got a big name in a big industry like that, sometimes you say, yeah, I'll take it. Uh, and we'll figure out how to leverage the fact that I worked on that Spider-Man run into a future career. Britt Cormier, again, thank you so much for the super chats. I really appreciate it, Britt. You're so supportive of the channel so often. Thank you so much. What if Disney is using the after credit scenes as a way to extend the movie to the end of the credits? I would not put it past them to do something shady. Yes, one would hope that if you were going to have contract terms of the actors, of the creators, of other people based in some way on the denominator that is the running time of the movie, that you would have thought about it and defined it enough to understand what that denominator should really be. Like, I'm willing to give you the, the length of the after credit scene. So in general, if I were just thinking about this and I were defining what the running time of a movie was, it would be uh, less opening credits, less closing credits. Like that would be in the definition. So like you don't get to run an extra long Marvel flipping logo and, uh, and anything else uh, to get to a longer running time and you don't count your credits. So if you want to make them 25 minutes, you go nuts, but that doesn't count towards your running time because you could have made that scroll faster. You could have done other things, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so we're not going to do, we're not going to do that. Um, but sometimes things get skipped. Lawyers are human beings and we can't predict every possible way that a given contract might cause problems, even though that's our job is to try to look at the way the language in a contract might otherwise be used to harm our position in the future. Um, so with that said, uh, Dominica says, Hoglaw, we do have a new Captain America. I don't think MCU will be done with Sam Wilson so fast. That's true. Yeah, yeah, we do have a new Captain America. We'll see how that goes. I think you heard me skim past it real fast. I don't have a lot of faith in those writers. I thought they did a very poor job with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Those writers have been given the, the duties of writing the new Captain America movie. Maybe it'll be better in movie form. Disney Plus is still um, experimenting with what it wants to be and what it wants to do. So maybe they had issues with that. I do know that I think they, they filmed and maybe had to tweak around COVID. Um, so that might have been an issue as well. I want to be an optimist. I want to give the benefit of the doubt. I don't have a lot of faith in the creative minds that brought us Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So we shall see. Um, what else do we have here? Jeremy says, maybe Daredevil can be the heart of the MCU moving forward. He is awesome. I mean, lawyers are awesome, right? Lawyers can be awesome. There, there, are, there, are, there are some lawyers that aren't awesome. I'm willing to concede that. But Daredevil's awesome. We can all agree there. Uh, yes, the mutants, X-Men and Fab Four are coming from Marvel now. Yeah, when they bought Fox, we knew that was coming. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, let's see. Clanson, my son had a rock star position at Rockstar, now at Infinity Ward. Right, 
big name companies, right? That's Grand Theft Auto. That's Red Dead Redemption. Then it's Call of Duty. So sometimes they say, hey, you should be happy working here and, and getting your name on these huge, huge games and being able to put, I shipped X amount of AAA projects uh, when if the need arises, you should ever have to say such a thing on a resume. Uh, I know the feeling. My brother worked at uh, High Moon at Activision as well. Uh, Lingus says, thanks, Ho. Nice to catch you in the morning. And I think we're just about done with today's Hangout stream. Sardinism says, from a writer's forum, the contract is written on the assumption that five minutes after signing, the parties will both get hit by a bus and the terms will be fought over by their vindictive next of kin. What I tell my clients is that whenever we're writing something, we want to do something novel or you don't quite understand it, you have to assume that the stupidest judge on earth is trying to interpret this thing and what we possibly could have meant by it. So let's make ourselves crystal clear on what these things mean, including potentially in a lot of sections, if there's some really complicated math, putting examples like you're reading a math book in high school or something along those lines. So those sentences that we just wrote that we think are right, that means that if this were this and this were this, then this is how that math would work. And doing a couple of those so that if anybody ever had to come to it and figure it out themselves, especially if the contract is long-term where it's gonna be 15 years later or what have you, then you can understand what we meant by what we were actually calculating. Um, movie runtimes always include opening and ending credits. Yes, they do for purposes of our understanding of what time it will take us. But in a contract, you can say the runtime for purposes of this calculation shall not include the opening and ending credits. That's what contracts do. Um, did I see Daredevil at the end of the last She-Hulk ad? I haven't seen the most recent one. Probably. They're probably working him in around everything. And then Miranda will finish us off. Thanks for going on my walk with me, my kiddo, and my dogs this morning. Well, thank you for having me on your walk. Hopefully I get some of the exercise credit for that. I'll check my step counter later on. Otherwise, have a fantastic Monday, everybody. This has been Hangouts and Headlines. I will see you tomorrow. Maybe we'll cover something more serious. Maybe we won't. We'll see. Either way, have a fantastic day. Have a fantastic week. And uh, I'll see you on the next episode of Virtual Legality, whether that's in VOD form or here on Hangouts and Headlines. See you later, everybody.